Romans chapter 6. For several weeks now, we have been talking under our general theme, Trapped by Your Traditions. And from that teaching, we have learned that the traditions of man have made the Word of God of no effect, or it loses its authority or potency in the lives of the believer as a result of not being in agreement. It has power, but not in the lives of those who are out of agreement with the Father. We learn that the traditions of men are those things that are handed down, principles, rules, regulations, above or beyond the Word of God, instituted, by man. And we have that in the body of Christ today. And as a result, much of what we see in what we call Christendom has been a works-based, performance-based, self-effort religion. And that is not what God desires. He desires that we have a relationship with him. And we've seen throughout this teaching, this world we are now, we have been talking under the heading, or we have taken on the subheading under Trapped by Your Traditions. We have been talking about under grace. We see, or we've seen throughout this teaching that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. We were not born under the old covenant system. And we see throughout this teaching that we are under grace, not law. We understand the principles of the ceremonial laws, civil laws, moral laws. Yes, do we keep the moral aspect of the law? What do you mean? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Uh, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Uh, Don't commit adultery. Don't, uh, uh, Don't do these things, okay? Do we keep those? Absolutely. But in keeping those things, they're not, they are insufficient to make us right before God. Don't kill. Don't steal. Honor your mother and father. Honor your mother and father. But just because we uh, do those things, that's not what makes us right before God. What makes us right before God is what Jesus did. And when you understand his grace, that makes you all the more eager not to kill, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to bear false witness. Who gets what I'm saying? So we're under grace. And we're going to see this throughout the Word of God. Now, last week we talked about we were freed or we are freed from sin. And let me admonish you, you can catch up with these teachings by going to our website, sgfc.church. They're all listed on the website. But we've seen throughout this teaching that because of Adam, someone say Adam. Because he abdicated the promise or disregarded God's instruction, man fell under God's judgment and wrath because of sin. We've seen that sin entered the earth through Lucifer or Satan, but it entered humanity through Adam. It entered the earth through who? Lucifer. But it entered humanity through who? Adam. Listen to me. And as a result, man fell under God's judgment and wrath or condemnation. And as a result, death spread to all men. 
And I'm going somewhere because one of the things, and I'm going to say it again throughout this teaching, we have to understand is that once we are born from above, what, what born again literally means, once we are born from above, we are now in right standing with God. Therefore, we're no longer under God's wrath or God's judgment. And we've seen this throughout the scripture. Who remember throughout this teaching? I want to say something because everything that bad happens to you is not because God is this vengeful God looking to beat you over the head. Now, are there consequences behind us missing the mark or, or uh, falling short? Absolutely. But I want you to get to a place where you stop blaming these things on God when you deliberately, when I say you, you in general, chose to do or disregard the principles of the Word of God. Who's with me? Notice we are free from sin. What do you mean? That which separated us and alienated, alienated us from the presence of God. Because of sin, not only were we separated from God, but we became spiritually dead. That's why once we're born from above, we're now made alive. And we're no longer separated from God. <laughs> and now you are presented before God holy, blameless, and above reproach. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus did. Are you with me? So, today, subheading, write this down. Let's talk about living holy. Living holy. Now, I want to pick up where we left off. <laughs> it amazes me. Just let me take a sidebar. How preachers don't want to preach the message of grace. You study Apostle Paul, who was often known in the field of theology as the apostle of grace. That was his message. That was his ministry, to deliver the message of God's grace. And I think why some don't want to teach it is because perhaps a misunderstanding, misinterpretation of Scripture, or, or fear. Again, when you mention grace, for some reason people always think that you're saying or you're giving people an out to live any kind of way. You've never heard such a thing well taught here, nor does Scripture teach that. We see that grace, or grace makes you all the more eager to want to do right. So if you're not... so. Once you hear the teaching in light of the truth of the word, it should make you eager to do the right thing. Not continuously live as if you have no relationship with the Father. Who's with me? Now, let's go to Romans chapter 6. And as I stated in weeks past, a good way or excellent way to understand the epistle to the Romans, we're talking about this whole letter. You have to look at it as a, as a dialogue between Paul and someone who is trying to object what he's teaching. So as uh, the apostle sets forth the gospel, the good news, and the good news 
of the message of grace has to do with the finished works of Jesus. Being that where we stand now as a result of his death, burial, resurrection, sin, ascension, and him being seated. What does that mean for us? That means that you and I are under his unmerited favor. We now have his enabling power working on it. Oh, man, on our behalf. So as this, as Paul begins to preach this gospel, he, he hears this unnamed objector raising all kinds of arguments against the gospel of grace. Of course, the apostle Paul addresses them one by one. I gave you the list of those, the 11 main questions on last week. But by the time the apostle Paul finished addressing all of these uh, objections, if you will, he answered every major attitude that man could have regarding the gospel of grace. So those of you, if you really want to get a good idea of the message of grace, study the epistle to the Romans. This was Paul's message. Are you with me? Uh, uh, again, Acts 20, 24, just let me show you something. Uh, and I, we talked about this particular verse, and I gave you some context on it, but I want to show you uh, something that he said here. Acts 20, 24. Hadn't planned to go here, but I, I want to show you this. But none of these things move me, nor do I count myself, count my life dear to myself so that I may, watch this, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry that he received from the Lord, Jesus, to testify to the gospel, Abba. Of the grace of God. Do you see this? <laughs> so don't let people dumb down the message of the man grace. Talking about Jesus. I received, where did he receive this? From the Lord Jesus. To testify to the gospel, what? Of the grace of God. And Romans 6. Now, I told you he began to address various questions, and what he's addressing here in chapter 6, and you can write it down, he's addressing, does the teaching of salvation by grace through faith permit or even encourage sinful living? Absolutely not. Are you with me? Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? Hold on. Now, most of the time when you read this, even preachers have taught this in this wise. If you keep on sinning, grace is going to run out. That is not what he's saying here. Because we're taking it out of context. Again, this is a continuation of what he was addressing in chapter 5, which we have been freed, justified. And we have peace with God now. You go to chapter 5, begin at verse 1. So we get around verses 17, 18, 19. He's picking up off where he said, where sin abound, grace much more abound. Right? Where sin abound, grace much more abound. So what he is saying to the objector, the objector was saying this. Well, if where sin abound, grace much more abound, it seems more logical 
that if I keep sinning, that's the key. Because if I keep sinning, then the grace is going to abound much more. So Paul, so Paul says, no. What shall we say then? Shall we continue? So, so the objector was like, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Okay, right? So imagine the objector saying, well, if we're sin ground, grace much more abound. Shouldn't I keep sinning so grace can abound much more? That's not what he's saying. Who gets what I'm saying? I'm trying to make it plain. What, what verse 1 is not saying is not saying if you keep sinning, grace is going to run out. Whoever heard it talk that way? Thank God I never have. If you keep sinning, grace is going to run out. That's not what he's saying. It's in response to asking, well, should I continue to sin that grace more abounds? Since, since uh, grace abounds much more when I sin, Paul says, certainly not. Why not? Let's look. Certainly not. Why? First of all, I can't sin. Why? Because I've died to it. I can fall short, but the sin minister, that thing that separated me from God, I no, 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 no. I've been delivered. I've been freed from that. See, again, that's not what we've heard, but let's go with Bible, not tradition, what has been handed down because people are too lazy to study. And we're going to see this. Well, how come you can't? Because that man died. And a dead man can't fornicate. A dead man can't lie. A dead man can't commit adultery. A dead man. Uh, let's look at this. So the answer to that question is an emphatic no. And, and he, he answers it really between chapters 6 and 8. Now. I said what will help us understand this is three key words that, that centered around uh, this verse. There are three key words. Know, reckon, and consider. Last week, I think we dealt with no. Okay? So, again, it will help us follow Paul's argument in this chapter if we understand the difference between, and write this down, and I said it, I need to say it again, the, the believer's position and his practice. See, we can understand what Paul is saying about, no, nah, he can't sin. Why? Because he died to it. See, all for me to understand this, Brittany, is to understand my position versus my practice. Our position is our standing in Christ. Write that down. My position is my standing in Christ. Again, with your flaws and all, as a believer, you're standing in Christ, you are in right standing with him. Your practice is what you should be doing every day or in everyday living. So positionally, I'm holy. I'm sanctified, same thing. I'm set apart. And my practice or my daily walk corresponds or harmonizes with my position. That's why the more I practice living holy, the more I look like 
my position or resemble Christ. Are you here? So positionally, we are holy. And the reason why there's such a, uh, sometimes it's hard to see the distinction because you have believers who don't understand their practice. They understand their position, but they don't understand the practice. So you just can't, you know, yeah, you're holy, but there has to be a practice. The practice is not what make you holy. Christ made you holy. The practice, again, just corresponds with your position. The practice identifies you with the one who made you holy. The practice says, I belong to him. I'm of a different standard. That's why I don't live ungodly. Why? Because I am living in accordance with my position. Why is that necessary? Because I'm presented before the Father holy, blameless, and above reproach. Who's here? <laughs> and holiness has nothing to do with attire. It's about attitude. It's a disposition. It's, oh man, it's understanding who you are, where you are, positionally. Are you with me? So your position, for someone who needs to see it, let me get all this to you today. For someone who needs to see it, Colossians 1, we put it up last week. I just want to show you how you are presented before God. And you have to believe this. Because religion, not just the devil, religion, religious preachers and teachers will make you think it's about your performance. Listen, you could, you could cross every T, dot every I. Thank God for that. But that is not what makes you holy before God. See, that's works-based now. Live upright, but that's not how, why you present it right, because you did all the right things. You got to remember, Jesus did all the right things, and that's what made us right. And you once were alienated and enemies in your own mind by the wicked works, yet now he has, what, reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. So you was there with that. You was in that process to present you. So how are you presented? Holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. See, what people have told you, well, how can he be holy? He's trying to get over smoking cigarettes. Because God said, I'm holy and blameless and above reproach. And the more I practice this thing, See, your mind didn't get saved. First of all, let, let's stop right here. Religious thoughts. Did I tell you to smoke? No. I'm saying don't let nobody condemn you. If you are a smoker, you give your life to Christ today, and don't let no devil, no demon in hell tell you that man ain't saved. Just got to practice more. See? 
your mind didn't get saved. He who was joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Your spirit was made alive, but your mind, your mindsets are just as jacked up as they were before you received Jesus. That's why in the same letter, you have the onus or the responsibility to renew your mind. Again, don't let people identify you with your practice. The practice is not who I am. The position is who I am. And I'm saying that because your practice is a continuous process. That's why you look better today than you did three years ago when you first received Jesus. Uh, Assume you've been practicing. Assume you've been practicing. Some haven't been practicing. But they're still holy. Just need some practice. So that's how you have to look at it. No, she, she just needs some practice. And see, let me tell you, it's important where you, where you sit at each week. Some don't know that I, I'm supposed to be practiced. Guess what? We, were ta- we, we have been taught, for the most part, that the practice is the outer. See, we were taught that the practice is you got to wear this, don't wear that, put on this, take off that. And lo and behold, the more we did that, the more we failed at our position in terms of how we look. Because we did all that, it Lord, you should have seen the stuff we were doing behind closed doors. Because wearing it didn't keep me from doing it. Not wearing it didn't stop me. Try to see self-effort. Are you with me? I thought I was going to, yeah. So your position is where? Oh, no, no, go to verse 23. Let me show you something. Let me, let me tell you why you got to believe this. Verse, if, no, he said, if indeed you continue in the faith, again, pistis, to be in agreement, persuaded, grounded, steadfast, and not moved away, what? From the hope of the See, again, this good news of the message of grace, which is the result of the finished work of Jesus, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, here he goes again, became a minister. See, you gotta, he said you got to be not only continue, but be grounded and steadfast. Why? Because you could be thumbing through the TV and hear somebody tell you, you ain't holy. Ladies, men. For whatever reasons, they want to tell you you're not holy. But see, when you know the truth, that Rev, bless you, but I'm holy, sir. Chief. Everybody's a chief now. No more Indians. It's all chiefs. Chief everything. Chief prophet now. Chief pastor. Chief minister. Chief evangelist. Just chiefs. This used to be a saint, chief saint. Chief, no, no, that's Chief Sister Johnson. See, we, we got to do better. And we're spirit-led and we operate in a prophetic and every other gift Holy Spirit works through. I'm talking about 
ego getting in the way and people trending. Second Corinthians five twenty one. So you're not holy because of what you do. You're holy because of what Jesus did. Who gets what? I, who sees Romans six and one in a different light now? So when he says what said we say, so like it's he's not saying. If you keep sinning, grace can No, it's in response. Notice before that, in chapter 5, we've seen man of God, and I need to make this clear. Just Let's just be logical. If Notice the scripture says, we're sin about grace abounded much more. So even if the low, how, how, the lowest you can go, grace still abounded much more. See? So how's it going to run out? When it abounds much more, we're sin abound. So what he was saying was, no, 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 certainly not. Why? Because he's died, he's dead to it. That's the point. Are you here? Again, that's like you and I having a conversation. And I say, well, minister, seem like we're sin abound, grace much more abound. Seem like the more I keep doing this, Oh, it's logical to keep doing it where grace can abound much more. You said, no, hold on, no, no. Because once you were born from above, you can't. Why? Because you're dead to it. How can you live any longer in it when you're dead to it? That's why you have to know, reckon, and present. Let's look at this. He who made he made Christ who what? Knew no sin to judicially be what? Sin on our behalf. So that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. So because of what Jesus did, those of us who are believers, we are placed in right standing on the basis of his finished work, not your work. So grace puts us into the position, then teaches us to walk worthy of it. You with me? I said grace does what? Into position, I've been saying this for weeks now, didn't teach it, but I wanted to submit to walk worthy of it. Titus 3, 5 through 7. Let me read these very or rather quickly. He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done. You know why they can brag? I know I'm right with God. I, but, I mean, I, you need to hold it up, but it, it ain't, you ain't right because you didn't curse last week. I don't curse, but that ain't why you're right. I 
Lord, my God, I get up every day and I pray at the crack of dawn. I fast seven days a week. Listen, bless God if he's leading you to do all that, but that's not why you're right. I go visit the sick and shut in. Oh, I know. See, you're being prideful now. Lifting up self. All those things are great in and of themselves, but just know that's not why you're right. As a matter of fact, when you know who made you right, you'll want to do those things all the more because you realize, Lord, I'm a, Lord, I was a mess and I'm still a mess, a practicing mess, a mess that gets better every day, a mess who messes up less. Oh, man. He saved us not because of any righteous works that we have done, but because of his, listen to this, own compassion and mercy. Ah, by the cleansing of the new birth, which is the spiritual uh, transformation, regeneration, and by renewing the what? Holy Spirit, who, pour, who he poured out richly upon us. See, all this is going to make sense in a minute. He poured out Holy Spirit richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we would be, here it go justified, made free of the, see, we, we dealt with throughout this teaching, releasing sin consciousness, how the blood of Jesus cleanses us from that. So all that, look, we've been made free from the guilt of sin. How? By his compassionate, undeserved grace. And that we would be acknowledged, listen, beloved, you are acknowledged before God as acceptable. To him. See, you can't let whatever you are working your working through keep you from seeing yourself how God sees you. Because if you let that thing, it will forever condemn you and try to get you a place of where you don't believe. See, you're not the act. That's not me. I'm holy. That's why when you find yourself doing the ungodly thing, get up, keep practicing. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The same Paul said, imitate me as I imitate so we're, we, we're becoming more and more like Christ as we practice, right? Say it again. Right? Well, how, let me make it plain and simple. I heard that. Let me answer this question real quick. Well, how, how do I know what to do and what not to do? Hey, man, look. Look at Jesus. Did he do it? I can't find where he did it. Well, don't do it. <laughs> did he do that? Yeah, well, do that. Do what he did and don't do what he didn't do. I'm not even going to charge you for that. 
There are people out who pay me. You better be glad you're a partner. Uh, that'd be seven hundred and fifty dollars. So we said grace puts us into position and then teaches us what? So notice it says, so we'd be justified, made free to get by his compassionate, undeserved grace, that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him, made what? Heirs of eternal life, actually experiencing it now. We should be, and we are according to our hope, his guarantee. Okay, now, Titus 2, 12, real quick. No, let's do 11 and 12. Let me show you something. You there? Watch this. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Again, it's not universalism saying that everybody's saved. Provision for everyone's salvation is made available. Okay? But you still have to receive or accept Christ as your Savior and Lord. All right? Verse 12, it teaches us See, again, who told, where did you get living any kind of way? When here we see that grace teaches us to reject ungodliness, worldly, immoral desires. See, grace teaches you to live sensible, upright, and God, see, again, if I'm not doing these things, I really don't understand his undeserved favor, his enabling power. See, and it's his enabling power that enables us to not live worldly, ungodly. So grace helps us to walk upright. Notice it says, it teaches us to reject ungodliness, worldliness, and moral desires, and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. Watch this, with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. See, grace is what produces holiness. Why? Because it teaches us to not live ungodly. Are you here? Now, I want to show you a verse where, notice we said it teaches us what? I said, what? It teaches us to walk worthy of it, right? Notice I just said grace is what produces holiness, right? Now, I want to show you something in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. In here, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul is reflecting on the privilege that he had meeting Christ face to face uh, in reference to his road to Damascus. And on one side, he's filled with the spirit of unworthiness because he, he began to reflect on how he persecuted the church and in spite, of, in spite of that, the Lord still called him to be an apostle. Like, man, I persecuted the church. Man, I, man, I was rough. And see, just like in that moment he felt like he was unworthy to be an apostle, sometimes we'll look at our past and feel unworthy. That's why a lot of people try to work to do right, because they're trying to act like they're paying off a debt. Jesus paid your debt, sir, ma'am. And another reason why you shouldn't be concerned with your past 
in reference of feeling bad and guilty is because that man, minister, that woman died. You are a new creation. Old things have what? And we find later on this same apostle, this same apostle saying, I forget those things which are behind. See, that's behind you now. Well, I don't feel worthy to be this man. I, you know, I lied when I was a sinner. I, I double-crossed some folk. Well, see, you're holy now. And a holy, a, a, a person who dead doesn't rob, steal, cheat, rip off. Are you here? Look, look what he says. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, ah, by the grace of God, I am what I am. See, you can't get no credit for coming every week. No. But by the grace, come, but you are what you are. By the grace of God. You see this? And his grace toward me was not in vain. Look at what he says next. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace. Ah, do you see that enabling power? See, which was with me. So in other words, when you understand it's because of his grace, listen, that should make you labor more abundantly all the more. So grace teaches us to live right. Why? Because I know what he brought me from. I know what man went down with Jesus. <laughs> I can't help but to tell somebody. It's not because of me. You hear? So our position, beloved, is absolutely perfect before God because we are in Christ. Our practice now should increasingly correspond to our position. So every day we live what? Godly. Why? Because my practice should correspond. With he who lives <laughs> in me. And when you understand that our life is hid in him. And since our life is hid in him, people, when they see us, so be just like when God looks at Christ, or when he looks at us, he sees us in light of Christ. Why? Because we are seated in him. So when people see us, they see Kim, because I know that's Kimberly, but I see Christ more than I see Kim. <laughs> or, or let me say it this way. I see Christ in Kim. 
more so than I see Kim talking about that flat, that part that can act up. So when they see us, they see the Father. Yeah, looking at me like, where are you getting this? So our practice should increasingly what? Correspond with our position. And we said the believer becomes positionally holy at the time of his conversion. Okay? First uh, Corinthians 1 and 2. Do you see this? And I'm almost sure now that I've given you that, we can most definitely get to know, reckon, and present. Are you here? First Corinthians 1, 2. I'm writing, I am writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been what? Called by God to be his own holy people. He made, hold on, you holy by means. See, again, we're not made holy because we how, dress appropriately, act right, but that's not what makes you holy, beloved. Your denomination doesn't make you holy. The word saint. The Greek word hagias means holy. Every saint is holy. Not because of what they do, Alina, because of what Jesus did. He made you holy by means of Christ. Just as he did for who? All people everywhere. Who what? Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their Lord is in ours. So we're made holy the moment again we're born from above. Then we talked about there's practical sanctification. That's what we do every day, okay? There's positional sanctification of holiness. We become positionally holy at the time of our conversion. Then there's practical sanctification of holiness. That's what we do every day. We are holy, and our practice is to correspond with that holiness, okay? So there's practical sanctification. Then there is what we call final or complete or perfect holiness. That's when you go be with the Lord. Because you're no longer in this world system that was tainted with sin. You will no longer have the ability to think crazy and opposite of the Word of God. Okay? So all those who want to be perfect, uh, you have to get that when you see Jesus. Again, when the Bible speaks of be perfect, uh, people always quote that from Matthew 5. As Jesus, perfect, that word perfect in the Greek, it doesn't mean perfect in the sense of flawless, flawlessness. It's becoming mature through a process of growth. So when Jesus, when, in reference particularly to Matthew, he was saying, when, when he said, be ye perfect as Christ, no, be spiritually mature, which only comes through a process of development. 
Sounds like practice to me. And the more you practice, the more mature you look. That's why you see a variation of progress among believers. Some seem to be a little bit more mature because there's a lifestyle of practice. Not practicing to be right. I am right. That's why I practice. To correspond with me being right. Oh, you here? Who got that? Now, are we still in Romans 6 1? <laughs> Y'all here? So, Paul's first answer then is that we cannot continue in sin because we have what? Died to it. Verse 2 Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? This is a positional truth. You have died to sin. That thing that separated you from God. Are you here? This is a positional truth. Listen to this, beloved. When Jesus died to sin, he died as our representative. He died not only as our substitute, that is, for us or in our place, but he also died as our representative. That is, he died as us. Are you here? So we were with him through that whole process. That word burial, it, it, uh, it's in verse... Uh, we were buried with him. We'll get to it here in a second, but that word buried, it means together with the process. So when it says we were buried with him, we were together with him through the process. So everything that happened to him happened to us. That's why sin no longer has power or authority over you. Why? Because it was broken in the process. Oh. Now, you can still fall short, but the power of that thing is broken over your life. That's why you have to know who got the power. So you got to tell that thing, no, you, don't, you no longer have a power. I have the power now. Assuming you know the Holy Spirit. Let me get to a place to close. This is good to me, though. So, therefore, when he died, we died. Notice he died to the whole question of sin, guys, selling it once and for Ephesians 1, 7, amp, let me show you. It, and I'm reviewing by design because, again, when I've been maybe not always intentional, but if I've been misinformed or, or if I've been indoctrinated with the wrong teaching and living that way for years, you can't. It's going to take more than two or three little teachings. 
It's like it taking you five years to gain 500 pounds. You, you ain't gonna, bruh. You ain't gonna lose it in in five five weeks. Not all of it. This is an example. Oh, okay. Come on now. This is an example. No pun intended. You hear? Where we at? Oh. In him, we have redemption. Let me tell you something. If you're still trying to get delivered, you don't know you've been delivered. You were delivered at the moment you were born from above. See, 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 what a lot of people's problem is, men, is that they don't feel, see, you don't feel delivered because you're not thinking delivered. See, we think, we feel, and we act. So once I start thinking and knowing I'm delivered, the feeling will come. But we keep waiting on the fit. You were delivered. Everything that affected you as a result of sin, you were delivered when you were born from above. What do you think his blood was for? Ah. And I hear some of you uh, uh, confess, let the redeemed, well, that, that, say that when you don't feel, let the redeemed of the Lord say it. I have been redeemed by his blood. I don't need to keep going to a deliverance conference. I was delivered 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Or whatever time you received Jesus, man. No, you should be teaching others now, letting them know, no, honey, you delivered. You just got to get your mind in line. Because you were there in the process. You were delivered almost 3,000 years ago. And when you receive Christ, whatever day, time, year that is, that's when you get yours. We act like his blood wasn't potent. How many times you got to get delivered? See, you don't know you are. See, once you know, <laughs> then you have to consider yourself delivered. <laughs> That's what reckon means. Then present yourself like you delivered. Quit waiting on a feeling. Ah. <sighs> uh. And let me help the person who might be struggling. Don't confuse the struggle as if, no, I'm delivered. I might be struggling a little bit, but I am delivered. And the more I practice, the less that struggle will have a hold on me. Why? Because I'm already delivered. So don't let the struggle fool you into thinking that you're not delivered. Ah, 
Eba. Man, religion has done us a great dis Eba. Great disservice. And here we still trying to do this and do that, man, when Christ has made all things available and ready for it. What are we doing? We need to know who we are. Consider it. Then present ourselves that way. In him we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which paid. See, to, to, to say you still need deliverance is to say that the penalty has not been satisfied. Deliverance came when the penalty was paid. Which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted what? In the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin. In accordance with the riches there it go again, of his grace. Yeah, ah. so, 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 so all those who, watch, hey, watch this. So all those who are in Christ are seen by, see, I don't care what your struggle is. As, as a believer, God sees you holy. <laughs> he sees you delivered. <laughs> That's why you have to say about yourself what God has said. He calls you delivered. What are you saying? Ah, who's getting this? So all those, ah, ah, you are delivered. Ah, I need to say you are delivered. Don't confuse my struggle with my deliverance. I'm delivered. Come see me two weeks from now. See if I'm not a little bit better. Come see me a year from now. See if I'm not a little bit, but I am delivered. Not trying to get delivered. And not knocking anybody. That's why there's no such thing as a deliverance ministry. Because you were delivered by his blood. Hold on. I'm not knocking anybody who has deliverance in their ministry. I'm saying just because the church name has deliverance in it doesn't mean we got the power. No man has the power to deliver you, but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Anytime you're going to get, that's like getting saved again and again and again and again. What, what part of being delivered don't you get? Where we at? All those who are in Christ are seen by God as having died to sin. He is identified with Christ, Christ 
in his death and in all that his death means. Again, that don't mean you can't fall short. But the sin issue, that's settled. Even when you fall short, he still sees you holy, blameless, and above reproach. Why? Because your righteousness is based upon his works, not yours. You hear? So the first key word in Paul's presentation is no. Someone say no. And we'll pick up that next week. Come on, let's get the Lord a hand clap of praise. (laughs) If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.